Hello and welcome back to another episode of Wealthy Expat. Peter, it's great to have you on the show this week. How are you going? Yeah, good, Chris. Thank you very much. And uh, it's great to see Wealthy Expat growing and the great content that you've been putting out. And thank you for having me on the show again with you today. That's all right. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm looking forward to having a chat to you about things. Just before we dig into it, how are you, uh, how are you managing with lockdowns and everything in Australia? Let's, let's have a general uh, catch-up roundup first. How are you finding things? Well, I decided we've been locked up uh, in our houses for almost 80 days now. Yeah. And so I decided to permanently work outside. So <laughs> we're, what you're seeing is my new permanent office and it's made it a lot easier. It's, epic. Uh, it's a lot less stressful getting uh, more vitamin D yeah. and um, yeah, just making the most of what we have. And I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. So we're in uh, Sydney and Sydney's probably had it the hardest. Uh, our, our cousins in Melbourne would would argue with us <laughs> but um we're coming out of it so that's the good news that's good i'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're remaining positive at least nonetheless uh, and you're almost there and there's worse places to work most definitely it looks uh, i always get quite <laughs> jealous looking at your background so take advantage of that australian sun and uh, as you go into spring now more advantage of it um yes. so today i thought that be good to get you on the show to have a bit of a, a chat about Queensland. Um, I guess more importantly, Brisbane. Um, we've identified, you know, obviously, I think a lot of Australia has identified the, the opportunity that Brisbane presents. And there's a number of factors that are, are driving that kind of push towards Queensland at the moment. Um, but yeah, we'll have a general catch up about Brisbane uh, and then dig into a few more topics about some drivers into the area, why we see it as a great opportunity. Um, but first of all, let's I would be interested to hear your opinion um, and get an overview, kind of your overview of what you're seeing in terms of inquiry and, and interest into Queensland at the moment, if you don't mind giving us a bit of a, a rundown. Sure. So you and I spoke about Brisbane um, a couple of months ago, I think, maybe a little bit longer, maybe almost three months ago. And I don't really want to repeat what we spoke about there. So we, we gave our top level uh, thesis on Brisbane and how to think about Brisbane and how Brisbane is different to Sydney and Melbourne's real estate markets. So I encourage people who are sort of starting out and don't understand that context to maybe go back to that podcast episode. Um, but for those that sort of understand Brisbane and where it's at and want a bit of a gauge on the market, I would say that we are probably at the peak for Brisbane. I think interest is extremely high. Stock levels are very low. And it is a difficult market to buy well. And so I always tell people that that's a time to be cautious. You don't want to jump on the bandwagon. It pays to be contrarian. Uh, you need to follow the overall trend, but don't fall into panic buying. And my biggest fear at the moment is that there are people in the market that are panic buying in Brisbane because they think that the market will run forever. And yeah. that's a trap. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good point um, and important to note. I think Brisbane itself, and it's something that we've discussed in the past, but it's the, the baby or the younger sister, the, the younger sibling in, in a sense to it's Melbourne and, and Sydney, you know, predecessors in a sense, the, the, 
the boost or the driver of the Australian economy in a sense. And um, I think I was having a chat to a client yesterday, actually, and, and talking about how, and this is where kind of this questions come from, but how can Brisbane keep up with the likes of, of Sydney and Melbourne? And I think that's a, something that Queensland, the Queensland or the state government have to consider. Um, obviously, they've got the Olympics and that's going to be a great driver for the economy over the next 10 years, no doubt. Um, in state migration, we touched on that in the last podcast, but that's been a big driver into the population growth that we've seen into Queensland, which has been you know, a, a great thing for the Queensland economy and, and the Queensland real estate market. Um, but do you think they have to, the, the state government have to think about another solution for the future to, to aid them in catching up with, with Sydney and Melbourne? Do you, do, you know, do you have any ideas about how they might be able to do something to, to catch up in a sense? Well, Chris, I view real estate as a network asset. Residential real estate is a network asset. What does that mean? That means that the bigger the network, the bigger the nodes that connect us together, the more valuable the, the real estate gets. And the one glue that is the most important, the most vital is jobs. So if my employment prospects improve by moving to Brisbane, I'll move to Brisbane. I'll follow the money. Lifestyle is important but is not as important as jobs. So what we've seen on the Gold Coast, for example, is you can go and live a beautiful lifestyle. Yeah. However, you won't have the employment prospects that you'll have in Sydney and in Melbourne. And so for Brisbane to really mature and Brisbane to go, come to the level that Sydney and Melbourne are at, it needs to bring in the same amount of employment potential to the table. And it isn't doing that at the moment. So a few of the things behind the Brisbane hype that I think is important to be cautious about. The Olympics. We have to keep in mind that the Olympics is 11 years away from today. Yeah. And Brisbane, as far as I know, I might be wrong. I'm not a sporting expert. But from what I know, Brisbane was the only bidder uh, for the Olympics. So they sort of were the last man standing. And they won the Olympics, which is great. Hey, Olympics are good. But I don't think the Olympic Games and the impact it has to the network is the same today as it was in 1994 when Sydney was six years away. So let's not overhype the Olympics. You know, let's take it. But the Olympics are not going to transform a city's network impacts by themselves. It's a good point. It's a good point. I think it'll it'll give it some global recognition. But like you're saying, we have to remember that there's still, you know, it's something to look forward to for the next 11 years from today. But it's that's not going to continue the growth of Brisbane. They can't, you know, we can't in the short term or short to medium term, in a sense, if you could put it that way, we can't rely on um, rely on the, the Olympics being the the backbone essentially of that growth. I think it'll it'll have its perks where it where it can um, work effectively and, and help the economy and the real estate market. But at the same time, I think that we can't rest our morals on the Olympics in a sense in that Queensland market, which is, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they adapt. I hope that the, I think we've seen the interstate migration from Sydney and, and Melbourne, and that's been awesome. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of changes over the next 12 months when 
hopefully all your restrictions are ended, touch wood, all the restrictions are ended and, and life gets back to normal. Um, but how people respond if, if the interstate migration will continue at the level that we've seen it and people, different you know, jobs will give you more flexibility to work from home or work from wherever you desire, it could be anywhere in the world really. Um, and I guess like what we've now done at Wealthy and you have the opportunity to work at home, you can work kind of remotely wherever you want and it's awesome. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see yeah, in the next six to 12 months, once lockdowns are, are over, how businesses adapt to it, um, whether they'll allow that work from home or a lot of them will allow the work from home and, and people to move into state. Um, but then how the, the Queensland economy and real estate market really will respond to the, I guess, the downward shift in, in population growth. I think it'll still have some solid population growth, don't get me wrong, but I think that It'll obviously slow down. We've seen awesome stats um, over the last 12 months in regards to population growth and Queensland stood head and shoulders above its uh, its, brother and sisters in a sense. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting time and an interesting thing to to note. Look, I think population growth um, in the past year or so has been favourable for Queensland, but that's because the borders have been closed and that's because Sydney and Melbourne have been in lockdown, particularly Victoria and Melbourne. You know, Melbourne's had about 200 days of lockdown over the past year. And so it's very understandable to see people who can migrate to Brisbane and Southeast Queensland doing that. The big test is when the borders open back up and when COVID is managed, will they stay? Are these people who move there going to stay or are they going to say, that was a great holiday, <laughs> pick up the bags, we're going back to yeah. the footy in Melbourne, to <laughs> our family, to our places of worship, to our schools, to our wider family and community, which we have been not able to, to socialise with and now we can. Yeah. So again, let's go back to the network, the place you want to educate your children, uh, the place you want to have your children involved in sport, um, the place you want to work and colleagues and build a business and your parents get older and all these things yeah. tie us to a network. And I'm not convinced that Brisbane has turned the corner yet. There's value in certain parts of Brisbane and I would invest in certain parts of Brisbane. Definitely. But it is not a blanket approach like I have for Sydney where I think you can basically buy anywhere in Sydney within reason at this point of the cycle or Melbourne, particularly Melbourne, and do well. So you have to get Brisbane right because the stakes for getting Brisbane wrong are detrimental. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I was going to lead on to my next question actually quite nicely, but I was going to ask you if you had any almost preferences in a sense when we're looking at Brisbane from a geographical perspective and the north, the south, Sunshine Coast even, and, you know, we consider the Gold Coast when we're looking at that southeast Queensland um, pocket. But is there regions that you see more of an opportunity in comparison to others? I'll tell you a funny story. So when I first met my wife, we, we we were, before we were engaged, I wanted to buy her something nice and I wasn't earning a big salary back then. So I went to Tiffany's, uh, which I thought I was doing the right thing. (laughs) I bought her, I bought her a silver ring or silver earrings. And I remember coming back and giving it to her and my, and, and her first reaction is, 
why on earth did you buy silver? I would <laughs> rather you have bought gold from somewhere not like Tiffany's yeah. than to have been sucked in uh, to the marketing of Tiffany's and, you know, bought silver instead. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm buying you a gift. Uh, I should be, I should be, be congratulated. But she was right. Yeah. She was right. And the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of times we get sucked into buying silver because it's cheaper. Or we get sucked into buying an inferior metal because it's cheaper. But usually it's the gold, it's the platinum that do well over a long period of time. Gold is still today a multiple of silver yeah. because it is more rare, it is more valuable, it is more treasured. And the same is with real estate. The good areas will go from good to great. And so if you're investing in a growth market like Brisbane, you want to have two things. You want to have great areas that you're investing in if you're buying an apartment, which is a lot harder to do in Brisbane than Sydney and in Melbourne because Brisbane's a different apartment market. So you have to make sure that you buy in really, really good areas. Your new farms, your Tenerife's, your, your Ascot, your those kinds of areas. There aren't too many. The list isn't very long no. because there aren't too many good areas. It's true. When it comes to houses, I think you want to be buying in really good suburbs and you want to be buying a really good house. And what most people are doing in this market, they're going into inferior locations because they think they're getting a bigger block of land and they're probably going and buying inferior builds that look good on paper, but 10 or 20 years when you walk into this house, it doesn't hold up like something. So my silver lesson I hope people can learn from it. I only buy gold now. I don't buy it because it's expensive. But if I'm going to buy her something, I'll buy gold. And I don't care about Tiffany's or the marketing. I care about the substance of the material I'm buying. That's a good point. I think that is a good point. And being or having lived in or spent 10 years in Brisbane, um, yeah, the air, I think it is important when, you know, when, if we flash, I know we touched on this last podcast, but if you flash back six years ago to, to Brisbane and they had the well five or six years ago now um but the scare of oversupply due to the amount of apartments that were being developed in that I think it was 2015 2016 kind of period in fact um and it you know people were almost they have they almost you know paid your deposits on these apartments um were ready to commit to to these new apartments being built across the city and then every second headline every day was oversupply in Brisbane the apartment market's going to crash um and then the and then people started to realize the importance of buying in areas that had more infrastructure in place and had the transport links and had an employment hub and we're seeing the population increases places like newstead for example um newstead had thousands and thousands of apartments up almost overnight um but they kind of a adapted the area in a sense and they created a new retail center they had the train line up the road that was a massive driver as well for employment um, and people saw it as a de desirable area and values of properties in Newstead during that period were relatively unaffected I had a friend that, that purchased a property in an apartment or in a development called Haven in Newstead um, and that's right opposite Gasworks which is the the retail center um, and yeah, prices for him were completely unaffected. And it just goes to show that I think when you're looking at areas, 
you know, that's Newstead and that's a blue chip area in Brisbane, for example. But then if you went over to somewhere that's developing and up and coming and, and changing the demographic of the area, places like West End, for example, and West End's a lovely area, um, but it went through a massive stage of transformation um, over the last five or six years. Um, and I think now with the Olympics in play and there's talk about the Olympic Village being developed in a corner on the old milk factory uh, at Kurilpa in West End, um, whether that'll happen or not, I'm unsure. But um, I think it just, yeah, it is important to focus on, on finding that decent area opposed to rushing into something that, yeah, might have more land, like you were saying, um, and chucking all your eggs in one basket and, and you know, going having that slight risk when it comes to, um, yeah, what you're looking at. So that's a, a good yeah, a good thing to consider. And I like your story about the, the silver and the gold. I'll uh, keep that in note with the, my next gift for Millie. <laughs> yeah, um, keep it in mind. Don't make yeah. the same mistake I did. Definitely, mate. It's, uh, it's not worth it. It's all a marketing point. Um, one, another question I wanted to ask, and, and this is post 2032. Uh, and so I guess we can't be, we can't rub the magic ball and, and get all the correct answers, but is there lessons that you think Brisbane can learn from comparable cities that have hosted the games in the past um, to maximize the way in which they can attract more of a global audience? Yeah, I think what they need to do is look at the entrepreneurial places that have an entrepreneurial knack, places that attract entrepreneurs always benefit the most on top of government infrastructure. So the reason why Sydney's done so well is because we had the Olympics, but then business and entrepreneurism on top of that. Okay. okay? So if you have a look at, you know, the top 10 startups in Australia and you have a look at where their headquarters are, Aussie startups, you have a look at your afterpays and you have a look at Canva, for example, and you just go and see in what geography are these entrepreneurs basing their business because that means that they're also drawing talent, the smartest engineers, the smartest designers, the smartest, um, you know, uh, business builders in that space and then that network gets gets stronger and stronger and so what i see at the moment from the queensland government isn't a very pro entrepreneurial mantra we're seeing the opposite they're very anti-business they're very pro politics they can win elections great but at what cost business is is under pressure and, you know, we had tour tourism entrepreneurs that really were drawn up to Southeast Queensland in the 70s and 80s because there was the Japanese tourist boom. But yeah. how much innovation? How many, how many global, globally changing businesses do you see coming out of your Brisbane or your Gold Coast? You yeah. know, namely one top technology business that's changing the world. With all due respect to the entrepreneurs in Brisbane, I'm not saying they aren't trying, but the ecosystem is not at the same level as it is in Sydney and in Melbourne. And so if you have a look at the United States, it gives us a very, very good template for how government infrastructure can help foster an entrepreneurial spirit. It can't do the whole work by itself, 
because then you have what we had in the Commonwealth Games, for example, where they built all this infrastructure on the Gold Coast. Yeah. But then what came after that? Not much. You need um, places like what's happening in Texas, for example, and how a lot of the technology businesses are leaving Silicon Valley and going towards um, you know, Houston and Dallas and, and everything that's happening there. Silicon Valley itself, you had great universities that were built and then those universities developed labs and those labs developed technology and that technology turned into global, you know, trillion dollar businesses. Um, if you have a look at Florida, for example, and how now it's competing with the financial epicenter of New York, you have a look at it. It happens all across the United States. Your Chicago is a lot more bang for buck value than you get in Boston and, and New York. What yeah. is Brisbane's key competitive entrepreneurial That's advantage? True. I can't see one at the moment and it really needs to develop one. And the government needs to create an ecosystem and a way of thinking around risk-taking and around attracting capital and attracting entrepreneurs to go and live up there instead of going and living in cold and miserable Melbourne. <laughs> No, I think that's a good point. It's a good way of putting it as well. Um, and I completely agree. I think that Brisbane has so much potential to be on par with uh, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, you know, you've got the lifestyle, you've got the accessibility from an international perspective. Um, and it's just, it needs something like you're saying, the entrepreneurship to, to help take it to the next stage. In a sense, you've got a lot of established businesses there and that's great. And, and they're doing their part. But we need, you know, new innovation, things that are that are going to just boost the economy, drive the economy up, make it more of a hotspot and a reason for people to move to Brisbane, not from a lifestyle perspective, but like you're saying, from a business perspective. And I think I've, I've, I touch, well, touch wood, hopefully, uh, hopefully the state government can figure out a plan to that. But I think that's a very interesting point that you've raised around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another risk, I don't want this to be a show about, um, you know, all the risks, but I want this to be level because you can probably find a million great reasons to be investing in Queensland now. And so I want to give people the counter argument. Another vulnerability, and I think this is very genuine, is that Brisbane's economy and corporate sector is very heavily reliant on energy, particularly coal and liquefied natural gas and petroleum. And if you have a look at where the world is going at the moment, there's a big activist movement amongst the biggest fund managers in the world to move away from fossil fuels. Okay, so what we saw in Australia two weeks ago is BHP, our oldest and most iconic business, right? It is the, when you think Australian entrepreneurism, it is the DNA for Australian companies and entrepreneurism a globally successful mining and energy company completely walk away from their energy assets two weeks ago and they're now merging them with woodside which is a which is a different business but bhp see the writing on the wall because they don't want to be seen as a fossil fuel carbon um, emitting business and so you think about the companies that are in brisbane Forget about technology and your afterpays and your canvas, which were like 10 years ago themes. Think about the next 10 years. They're even behind that. Yeah, so I'm cautious because of those reasons. That's true. 
that needs to change the way in which we yeah change the businesses that are in that in a sense keep you know we're not going to get rid of the bhbs and the rio tintos and the you know the big guys but i think it's the what they have to adapt in which like you're saying the way in which they uh they do business now so that's a, a good point an interesting point um, one, another question, I guess this will be one of the last questions and wanted to ask about, obviously we've about stock and obviously we've just taken on some new stock in Joiner, uh, in the North of Brisbane. And we've, well, we identified a, a great opportunity out there and four bed or three and four bedroom townhouses from about what, 540,000 to, to $600,000. Um, but did you want to give a bit of an overview, um, of the project or, you know, of the area itself? We can have a bit of a chat about that. Yes, so our philosophy at Wealthy is to bring investments on our platform that you probably won't find jumping on real estate and domain.com. Really unique off-market opportunities put together in really, really good areas or areas that we believe in. And everything that I just articulated, if you're going to go into Brisbane, pick a good area, good prospects, you know, the areas that we've brought opportunities on meet that. And Joiner is a perfect example. It is not the most blue ribbon uh, suburb in Brisbane, but if you want to invest five to $600,000 and have an investment that gives you a 5% yield and have something brand new, it is a very, very good architecturally designed option. Um, you know, beautiful, natural tranquility. You're in a part of Brisbane that has great schools, great network, Locals love living in the northern suburbs. You're, you're not too far from North Lakes and those growth pockets, you know, where you do have that entrepreneurial knack and you do have that sense of having a go. And you're 20 kilometers from the heart of the CBD. And so if the Olympics is a huge success, you're close to the action. If lifestyle is important and the Sunshine Coast goes well, you're right in between. Yeah. And if nothing happens, you're in the network yeah. and, you know, it, it, it's a very nice, affordable uh, type of investment that's not going to last long. Um, but, you know, these opportunities are very hard to find. And when we do put them on the platform and introduce them, investors can see the difference. Investors can see the gold from the silver. Yeah, no, I think they look fantastic as well. Um, I like the design of it, the kind of Mediterranean and almost looks like a little, you know, one of those little houses that you'd see on the coast of Greece, for example, with its arched entranceway. But yeah, I am very much a fan of them. So if anyone who's listening would like some information on those or would like to have a bit of a chat about the stock itself, please feel free to reach out to myself or anyone in the team uh, and we can help you out and send some info and have a chat about that. Peter, the last question and how we like to wrap up the show, and it's something I didn't ask you on the last show, but what does a wealthy life mean to you? A wealthy life to me means having sovereignty, having the ability to make my own decisions, having the ability to choose as opposed to be dictated to. A lot of people think being an entrepreneur and being a co-founder of a business gives you that. It gives you a lot of responsibility. Um, but we are able to um, reward ourselves with making great decisions, with being able to choose how we grow the business and choose great people like you to come on board and launch new projects like Expat. And so for me, it's all about choice. Perfect. Being wealthy means being able to choose, means having control of your time. And having sovereignty so you can do 
what you want to do as opposed to being forced to do something that is against our human instincts. Love it. I love hearing everyone's uh, responses too. It's interesting. Everyone's got a different way of putting it. And uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you in a sense. I like having the capability to do what you like. Um, and yeah, just live, live that life that you want to live in a sense and not have to worry about, worry about a thing here and there in a sense. Um, but yeah, that's uh, an interesting one. And thank you very much for sharing your insights on it. Um, Peter, it's been great to catch up today. Uh, always a pleasure to have a chat to you. Um, I look forward to our next catch up, hopefully in the not too distant future. I'm sure, I'm sure we will get you on the show again soon. It's always good to pick your brain and, and get your uh, insight on the market and what you're seeing and how you feel about different things. Um, thank you once again, and I look forward to chatting to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks to all our viewers. And uh, I'd encourage anyone who finds this useful, finds it interesting to share it, spread it, spread the love. And uh, we want to help as many people as possible. So thank you very much for running a great program. No problem. Thank you very much. And we'll speak to you all soon. Thank you.